We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, training director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live readings. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. 
We, this is the Bible Live, the quiz show, and we are ready to ask you some questions, give you a chance to answer some questions from our Bible readings this last week. All of our readings are from our scheduled readings. Now, some of you are thinking, well, Sophie, you're talking about your Bible readings, and you're not on the air Monday through Friday anymore. We used to read through the Bible every weeknight and read through the entire Bible every year. And we're still following that same reading schedule, but we are doing it from our website, thebiblelive.com or biblelive.com or soapydollar.com. There are a number of ways you can get to it. And uh, we are in the we are in the process of constructing, building, getting, preparing. Uh, but the reading schedule we're going to follow that same reading schedule, and allow you to read on your own, or get the, you can order the Bible Live series and, and listen to it on your own from from DVDs and CDs, or you can uh, you can go to uh, iTunes or to. Um, other upline online sources and hear the Bible live readings. But we're continuing our schedule of reading the same as we have always done. And this past week, our emphasis was in the Gospel of Mark. We moved back from uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We finished those up and moved back to pick up in the Gospel of Mark, the second Gospel of the New Testament. And we read chapters 1 through... um, Chapters 1 through 7, and I'll into chapter 8 last week, Now, the week before last, and now this past week, we read chapters 8 through 16 of the Gospel of Mark. And so, um, oh, and we, <laughs> and we went back and picked up and opened the opening chapters of the book of Joshua. So we, uh, we've moved from uh, the New Testament principally, Mark 8 through 16, and then we went back and picked up where we had left off with the people of Israel camped on the east side of the Jordan. And then we, uh, in the opening chapters, 1 through 5 of Joshua, we see them going over the Jordan River uh, in the great battle of Jericho is now uh, before them. They are camped in the ready, and God is giving them that very unusual uh, battle strategy of marching around the city, you remember, uh, so many times in, in silence and so on, and and then the great shout and the walls fall and so on. So uh, you'll be able to um, enjoy that as we move on through the book of Joshua. But we read the first five chapters this past week in our schedule as well. So uh, hopefully you'll be able to stay with us and join us uh, this hour. It's, Jacob is not with me this evening. He is enjoying a very well-deserved a day off. He has some friends down on the coast. Actually, they have an opportunity to relax together this labor, this Valentine's Day weekend, and um, so he's there with some friends, enjoying some rest and time off. Uh, I'll miss him greatly because I know his comments uh, would be so interesting to us. But we're going to we're going to take on uh, the Gospel of Mark here. Uh, some questions I'll also give you from Pro, uh, Psalm forty one. And Proverbs chapters 1 and 2. Now then, what have I done for Valentine's Day? My dear wife Suzanne and I have been out at Lackland Air Force Base together. We had uh, around 1,600 young young um, Air Force trainees who came and uh, uh, enjoyed our classes today. Just a great, great time. And then went back and relaxed with the family. 
And uh, our, our daughter Stacy is with me tonight. She's uh, my Valentine for the evening, for this program at least. And so, Stacy, thanks for joining me this evening on the air. Hi. Yes. You're a lot easier on the eyes than Jimbo is. <laughs> I think even he would, <laughs> even he would admit um, that. Uh-huh. Lucky uh, it's radio, so people can't verify. Yeah, it. they can't. They can't uh, either verify or deny it. Right, <laughs> either way. Well, thank you for being here, honey. We're, we're going to do something a little unusual tonight, especially in light of. The political setting, the times in which we live, I mean, these are uh, in our nation, uh, our politics and the the decisions that we're having to make are so, so very, very important Uh, in this coming year. uh, As we as you know, we've lost a Supreme Court justice Mm -hmm. uh, just over this last 24 hour period. Uh, Antonin Scalili. how am I saying that right, Stace? Hmm. Antonin Scalia. Scalia. There you go. I knew I was saying it. I was trying to be Italian, but I wasn't getting <laughs> exactly right. Uh, but uh, Justice Scalia mm-hmm. uh, went on into eternity in this past, in, down while he was down here in Texas, as a matter of fact. And uh, we are all saddened by that. He was a great, great um, jurist, a great uh, conservative, constitutional justice of the Supreme Court. And uh, very saddened by his going. But, of course, we, we all knew that in time it would have to happen. And the, all of, there are a number of the, of the uh, justices that are uh, way up in years. And um, so there will be, uh, you know, of course, this will have political consequences. Who will replace him? Uh, will we end up losing, in fact, as well, the Supreme Court uh, to this um, this. Um, pernicious liberalism that has grasped our nation and is dragging us down into mediocrity and even further. Uh, it's, it's to be seen. And so we're in the middle of a very powerful political moment in our nation. And so we're, I thought what we'd try to do is, even as we discuss the scriptures and discuss the Bible, that we would try to go in there and address as well the idea of politics and government <clears throat> and try to lay at least a little bit of a foundation of a biblical understanding of uh, of what is government, what is the purpose of government, what is the best form of government. We we have an open, uh, uh, avowed socialist uh, who is uh, running for the presidency uh, of the United States as a Democrat. Uh, the Democratic Party, of course, obviously for many decades now has been moving quickly and quickly towards socialism and even toward uh, socialistic, communistic government control, government control of everything. And that's just been a process. And, of course, they never want to deny it, never have wanted to deny uh, to admit it. They've constantly used any other verbiage, any other language besides that, you know, progressives and this and even, even liberal at one time. But then and then it gets to take on the understand. We understand what they mean. So they have to choose another word that sort of decries and, and, and covers the, the, the actual intent. But it's big government, socialistic control uh, of the production mechanisms and so on. And that's we're becoming much more of a of a. Uh, a society that is beholden uh, to government, and uh, so this is that's where we're moving. That's that's been the process for decades now, and um, so we're trying to see: is it possible to turn that back and move back toward the founding principles of our nation? And we're going to talk a little bit about that if we can tonight about what is the biblical view, because I think a lot because of our 
very poor educational system. Uh, that was one of the first things that fell to uh, the liberal agenda was the getting in control of the mechanisms of, of uh, education. Uh, and uh, therefore, so many young people just simply don't know. It, it's it's amazing how thousands, even millions of young people across this nation are embracing uh, Bernie Sanders and the cause of socialism. They're out and out wanting socialism, and they uh, evidently don't really understand that it has never worked ever anywhere. Uh, and the only reason people keep calling out for communi- for socialism and communism is that, oh, it can work, it can work. It's just the right people haven't tried it yet. you got to let me be in charge of it, and I can make it work. Well, And, of course, that's the, uh, that's the cry of tyranny, uh, the, the give them that much power and control. So we're, we're going to talk a little bit about government, how it works, what the purpose of it. And I don't know. Hopefully we're not going to be ending up just sharing our pooling our ignorance, but you'll be uh, welcome as well to call in. If you have a thought about these matters, something has been on your brain and mine and uh, something you want to share, then you can give us a call during the hour, 340-9585. 340-9585. I'm going to go to that in just a moment. I believe... I, yeah, that's right. Jacob is on the line. I'm going to get, bring up Jim in just a moment. Uh, oh, it's Jacob. It's Jacob. Oh, Jacob on the line in just a moment. And uh, let him visit with us a few minutes before we go into the program. But uh, let's get a, a couple of questions out to you. In Psalm 41, Psalm 41 begins with five wonderful promises, five wonderful promises that are given to people who are kind to people like us. Psalm 41 begins with five promises that God makes to to people who are kind to people like us. Who is that us? Who 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 are we? All right. Psalm 41. Uh, you can answer give us a call 3409585. And of course that becomes that theme this this particular group of people becomes the great, great theme of politics in so very, very many cases. All right. Uh, let's go to Proverbs. Let me pick up a uh, passage there. It says, what is the beginning point of true knowledge and wisdom? What is the beginning point of true knowledge and wisdom? Real intelligence. Okay. In Proverbs chapter 1 Verse 7, what is the beginning point of true knowledge and wisdom? And let me give you just a couple of questions from the Gospel of Mark. Now, the context of Mark is Mark addresses, uh, it presents uh, the Messiah, again, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, but it emphasizes his servant nature, uh, which is a great theme for us, along with our theme about politics and government, because Jesus' idea about leadership was servant Leadership it is one of the great principles that come to us from the New Testament and from the gospel, uh, uh, from the uh, sermons and from the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth, which of course are based in the Hebrew Scriptures as well. Uh, and we come right out of those principles come out of the Old Testament, and uh, so it's it's uh, appropriate that we talk about Jesus and the Gospel of Mark even in the context of government and and um, service. His his mandate was if we, that we our kind of leadership would not be the leadership of the world that is the coercion and overpowering people, but it would be a servant mentality uh, that we are there to help to serve, and that's what we look for 
in our governmental leaders as well. Uh, within the context of God's will and what God desires and his plan for our lives, we want folks who will serve us and not us having to serve and enrich them. So let's go to a question or two from the Gospel of Mark. Um, let's see here. Let's look at this passage in uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through 25. This is an occasion, the only occasion, in fact, when Jesus healed uh, this individual, this man, but he heals this individual in two phases. It wasn't just one touch and it's over his heel, but it looks, it happened in two distinct phases, two distinct steps uh, that were carried out. What was the ailment? What was this man healed of? Uh, what was the disease that he was delivered from or the ailment that he was delivered from when Jesus healed him in two phases? That's found in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. And again, the phone number is 340-9585, 340-9585. And so let me ask you this. According to Jesus, according to Jesus in Mark chapter 12, Verses 29 through 31, what two Old Testament commandments, which two Old Testament commands are the greatest of all the commands? All right. You should know that. I think you probably do. Uh, what two Old Testament commands uh, make up the, the greatest of all the commandments? In Luke, I mean, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 31. Shall I go over and... Um, Let's bring up Jacob and visit a bit with our friend. Hello, my Hebrew brother. What's going on? Are you there? I see, I see you both found good company tonight. Yes, I've, I'm, I'm brought my, my Valentine's. Uh, decided to make it a little special. Stacy's up here with me, and uh, we're, we're, we're ready to give it a shot, Jacob. Uh, she told me very clearly she's not going to be able to fill your shoes, uh, but she's oh, glad to I'm, help me I, I am. She will do just. She probably do better than me. Well, she, I told her already. She's easier on the eyes. <laughs> uh, but uh, hello, nice to talk to you. Yeah, I'm actually. I spent a lot of the day today, believe it or not, uh, trimming some trees. And then I was down at a pool, and I met a. Uh, you know, I can believe this. I met a psychiatrist today. Well, I am so glad I've been trying to get you together with a psychiatrist. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what happened. So I said, hey, how do you determine if somebody's crazy? And he said, oh, it's very, very simple. I fill up a bathtub. And I said, well, what do you do when you fill up the bathtub? And he said, I give a guy a spoon, a cup, and a bucket. And I said, oh, I get it. If he uses the bucket, he's sane, right? And he said, no. If he pulls the plug, he's sane. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So that you didn't you didn't really meet a psychiatrist anyway, did you? No, I just wanted to tell the joke. You wanted to tell the story. Well, great. I'm glad you did. Well, I just wanted to call on and say, hey, listen, this is going to be an interesting show, and I hope you all get all the politics settled. And uh, I think we're probably we're, we're probably all pretty much on the same wavelength as far as our oh, political. We are. We are. I know we are. And uh, listen, I, I was kind of wanting to get. In a way, your response, reaction to the news of Antonin Scal um, Scalia. Scalia, I keep getting that. Scalili, I keep wanting to say. Uh, the death of the Supreme Court justice. Isn't that amazing at this moment? That's all we needed is one more little piece of uh, political stress in our culture, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, of course, he probably was the most 
uh, I hate to use the word conservative because I don't really think that was his goal. He was what he was self-described as a textural uh, justice. Right. So he just said, if it says it, we have to know what the words meant at that time, and I'm very fond of that approach, as you might know. As I do well know. Uh, I Brilliant man, by all uh, reports. Brilliant, good, lots of good humor. Uh, just uh, uh, You heard a lot of people, of course, uh, at this time, I guess it's natural to come out with accolades and, and, and compliments and so on, but uh, I, I've heard him for a long time about him, that he was a, a, a genuinely good person and that he truly had that uh, the, the idea of the, the historical understanding of what the, what the founders meant uh, by the Constitution and not that it's a, what's this living, breathing document that changes with every generation and it becomes what we want it to become or something like that. So uh, anyway, I was interested in your view. You've got that law background, and I'd kind of like to kind of... Well, I, I was always a great admirer of him because, uh, of course, I even approached the Bible that way. Uh, the words meant what they meant to the people who wrote them at that time, no matter how much we think we understand them today. <laughs> and that's the way he approached the Constitution. And I, I personally, he was one of my personal favorites. Uh, justices on the court. Yeah, well, that is a very good point you bring up. Even as we look at the scriptures, uh, that is the correct way to understand them. The Bible, probably one of the most misunderstood books. Uh, I was looking at a, uh, I think a Newsweek or a Time article from back in I don't know the seventies, and it had a picture of the Bible in the front. And he says uh, the the misunderstood, so mis so misunderstood, it's a sin. The Bible. And uh, the, a lot of that comes from this kind of revisionist or kind of contextual understanding. Instead of getting down and seeing the clear meaning of the uh, the author, the, the writer, and that being the truest the truest meaning uh, is what it what was intended to say. Uh, we, it's a good that you bring that up because that applies also uh, to our interpretation of Scripture. Well, Jacob, I'm so glad to hear from you. Say hi to our friends down there and, and you know, some of them. And uh, thank you for joining us as we get started. All right. And, and I'll be listening to the show, and I know you and Stacey do a great job, and uh, go get them. All right. Thank oh, you, pal, thanks. very much. Okay, I appreciate thanks. it. Thanks. Well, good to hear from Jacob. I hope he's having, like I said, it's a well-deserved rest. The guy is just here each and every week, and uh, he gives us a, a great delight and great perspectives as we look at this book, The Bible, Um you know, Stacy. I guess you know that's the reason Jacob has come on with me now for so long. I guess, what is it, a couple of years or even more? Who knows? I, I can't remember how long we've been doing it together now. Is it bringing that, that Jewish-Hebrew perspective? Uh, and I've long thought, and I know you, the kids have always known this too, I've, I've long thought we would never really truly be able to deeply understand, correctly, ac accurately understand this book, the Bible, if we ignore the historical, linguistic, uh, social context, and, and of course that's a Hebrew Jewish context. It was written by Jews in Hebrew uh, during uh, events in their history, in their time, and for us to understand that original tent of their writings and what the things they said <clears throat> and things we believe that God inspired them to say, we really need to understand something of them and their times and their culture. And Jacob really helps us 
mm-hmm. with that. Uh, well, I, our first segment is just about gone. We've got the questions out there on the air for you. Let me ask you one or two questions now from the book of Joshua, and that'll be one, two, three, four, five, six questions. Uh, what does the name Joshua mean? All right. That's probably a good, easy question for a number of you. Uh, look in Numbers chapter 13, verse 16. Um, it says, before Moses sent the 12 spies into Canaan, and you remember that incident in Numbers chapter 13, he sent these 12 spies into Canaan. Before he did that, though, he had changed Joshua's name from Hosea to Joshua. What does the name Joshua mean? All right. And if Jacob was here, he could give us all the how he put the Yah in, in the name and made it referencing referencing to God. But um, and I'm hoping I'm remembering that correctly, Jacob. I think I am. Uh, but what does the name Joshua mean? And you might even know uh, someone in the New Testament who has the same name, actually. Uh, maybe you could remember that for us. Uh, let's now go and uh, I'll ask you. This question, I was a prostitute. Now, some versions think of it as an innkeeper or a waitress, a servant, uh, a serving person in a restaurant, for example, kind of thing. But uh, most understand that uh, I, this was a prostitute. I was a prostitute living in Jericho who believed in the God of Israel and helped the Jewish spies escape back to their people, back to Joshua. What was my name? And it's found in the book of Joshua, chapter 2. <clears throat> what was the name of this uh, this woman there living in Jericho who was of such great help to the people of Israel uh, as they were preparing now in these days leading up to the battle of Jericho? All right, if you can answer any of those questions we put out there. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. That's our phone number. Three four zero nine five eight five. We're going to come back in just a moment, and we're going to take your phone calls if you'd like to answer those questions. And we're going to start off with the question tonight about uh, from our talking about government and, and politics and so on. What is the purpose of government from a from a biblical perspective? Maybe you have a thought on that question as well. What is the purpose? Of government. Why did God create government? What was His intention uh, in the establishment of human government? Three four zero ninety five eighty five. We'll be right back. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop four ten and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family. That's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past twenty five years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. 
Well, Elizabeth and I went to Six Rest Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work, we had got our oil done before. It could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't very expect nice. to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Thanks for listening. This is Michael Youssef. I'm Alistair Degg. This is Chuck Swindoll. Hi, Steve Brown of Key Life. This is John MacArthur with Grace to You. This is R.C. Sproul. This is Chuck Colson. Hello, everyone. This is James Dobson. Hi, this is Bob Lapine from Family Life Today with Dennis Rainey. You're listening to The Word in South Texas. AM 630. AM 630. AM 630. KSLR. How he loves us all. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We are back. One of the great, great truths that come to us, almost every page of the Bible, have some expression of that great truth. The Creator, God Himself, cares about us. He loves us. He's not an absentee landlord. He didn't put the world spinning and take off on vacation somewhere, but He's engaged. He's involved, loving us, calling us to Himself, calling us into a confident, secure relationship with Him that we can experience as individuals. Uh, here on this uh, during our life on planet Earth, uh, one of the great truths. It's not a button. It's not a bumper sticker. It's not just a uh, some button we wear on our uh, shirt. You know, God loves you. Smile. Uh, it, yeah, it's to be announced happily and enthusiastically. But it's not a cliche. Uh, it is a genuine, real truth, and it's astounding thought. Really, the idea that the Creator of the universe. Knows me, <laughs> seven billion people on planet Earth today. Uh, out of they say that over half the people who have ever lived are alive today, and let's uh, fourteen or fifteen billion people. And God cares and knows me and cares about me. Wow, what a thought! And how about you? Have you ever oh, stumbled on that yourself and thought, "Wow, isn't that astounding that, that God knows me and cares about me?" Well, that is the clear message of scripture that god loves you and desires that relationship with you well let's uh of course all of that has to do is part of the plan of god for our for human beings on planet earth and that brings up our great question tonight what is god's plan for planet earth and people why are we here and in that context what place does government and 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 politics and that sort of thing what place the order of society and communities and so on what place does that play 
in the plan of God. What was his intention uh, for government in our life experience? Let's go and visit uh, Stacy. We're going to visit with Harold. He's one who calls quite often. We love to hear from Harold, and he always got an insight or an experience to share. And I'm glad to hear from you, Harold. What's going on? Well, we had the Valentine's Day. All right. We that went. Okay. Yeah, I thought you might want to know about that. I, I would. I'd like to hear what happened. And then I want to hear a little bit of it, too. I'm kind of curious your thoughts. When you heard the news about Antonin Scalia and uh, right in the middle of all of this political hijinks and this debate that was so, wow, that Republican date was so, the debate was so, uh, what's the word, Stacy? Crazy, wild, uh, over the top. <laughs> all, all of those are pretty good descriptions. So uh, yeah. anyway, in the middle, there is not a good time things. to go. I know that. But, you know, it just it, it don't matter how long someone lives. It's always you know could have been longer. There's a should have been time. longer. Yeah, we would have liked it, but this is the moment, and uh, we'll see what happens now. I guess it just it mm-hmm. just amplifies the need. Uh, uh, you know this, the presidential debates and the presidential campaigns that will be taking place. Uh, I guess it amplifies their importance to us. Well, tell us a little bit about your well, Valentine. Yeah, well, oh, well, you know, we have some um, have some people over on the weekends, usually some teachers. You know, they're retired, and uh, you know, I brought out the flowers at the last minute there. You know, some pink ones because I heard on the Christian radio station that pink is the color that women really want than red and so well I went with that and we had the candy and stuff but why I mentioned about uh, uh, there was a lady here that comes here also and she had said what I should do is get my mother some valentine flowers you know uh-huh. since my dad had I thought for sure you would have done that well women need to tell us what to do I'm, you know, I've been married 42 years and you know I admit you know they have all the better ideas and um, so it worked out to where we, you know, my wife bought one rose, and I knew the restaurant she was eating at, where she eats them every morning. Uh-huh. So I walked in there in front of everybody and gave her that rose, and she was in shock, and I ran out. <laughs> so, and that, was, that was this morning? That was this morning, oh, yeah. How about I, you? I, I really surprised you. Harold, you're so. such a romantic. How about you? Oh, I'm, I'm being taught. That's I got you out is. of the doghouse for a little while, right? For just and it's not enough for the flowers, you know. I'm also learning, you know. You know, we do have a long marriage here, almost 42 years, probably not as long as yours. Congratulations, but, brother! That's great. Well, the thing that I'm learning is you have to do things that you used to do when you first met. You know, so we work on the house. We start doing something, repainting this and that, and and we just start taking pictures off and doing things together. But I wanted to, you know, you had brought up that man and that had passed away in the Bible and uh, the New Testament. And I, I had a, a conversation with an older gentleman, say my dad's age, so I won't be right. ancient. And he was talking, I got in a conversation with him after a Bible study, or I don't know if it was even before, that the last book that might be read the most or considered Say I'm not saying I don't know how many years down the line, but the last book that would be read or considered to be read would be the Book of Ruth. And there's something in the Book of Ruth. I'm not there, you know, to figure it all out, but I know it's something to do with being converted to one one person or another, 
And, you know, if you understand the book of Ruth, you would sure. probably understand, you know, what let's, I'm trying to say. But Let's say, let, let's was, just remind folks uh, the book of Ruth is about uh, a Moabite, young lady, a Moabitess uh, named Ruth. Mm-hmm. And uh, her mother-in-law, it's about this uh, this woman named Naomi. She's a Jewish woman. The, mm-hmm. She and her husband go, and their two sons go to Moab to flee from famine and, and some poverty they were going through in their own land. They were from the city of Bethlehem, actually. And mm-hmm. they went over there, and her husband dies, Naomi's husband dies, and her two sons marry uh, Moabite girls, and the two sons die. And so there, Naomi then is left with these two Moabite girls, uh, one named Ruth and the other named Orpha. And so it's it's Ruth. When Naomi says, I'm going to go back to my country, back to my city of birth, Ruth says, I will go with you. Whether whoever you go, I will go. I think it's Ruth 115. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. And and she uh, she changes her life she's pursuing and in in worshiping the uh, uh jehovah the god of abraham isaac and jacob she follows her mother-in-law there's obviously a great love between the two of them uh they care for each other they take care of each other and it turns mm-hmm. out to be this beautiful story of friendship and love that works into an amazing story of of restoration because uh ruth marries uh, this very wealthy young farmer in Bethlehem, turns out to be his name Boaz, and she comes she turns out to be in the in the lineage of uh, King David and later right. on the lineage of Messiah Jesus himself, uh, by her right. marriage to Boaz. I read so all that. Yes, that's I have. the book and of Ruth, all right. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for doing that for me and right. for us. Uh, and I was just curious as a as a politician I mean I'm not a politician, but as if they would Use the use the Book of Ruth. How would that play in in the political world? You know, if they kind of focused on this book, of course we use the whole thing. But I just wondered if that would help justify anything better than uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Good question. I'm trying I to put it together, I but I was taking your can say something that she likes. You're saying, yeah, yeah. Um, and I understand your daughter's every night. I guess you're. Proud of her and everything. Uh, yeah, I am. I mean, she's a good thinker, and we we enjoy talking. It's kind of quiet, seems like. Yeah, well, you know, with with a big mouth dad like she's got, she doesn't get to get a word in it twice very often. But I'm fixing to ask her what she thinks of your question. All right, appreciate all you right. calling in, pal. Thank all you. All right, thank you very much. You bet, Harold. Uh, what what is the uh, what is there any uh, political or lessons about government and human government in our experience? Is there anything like that that might come to us as you think about the story of Ruth? Sure. I guess the, um, I mean, for me, the overarching sense of Scripture as it relates to politics is just a reassurance, um, a peace that no matter what form of government there is, no matter in slavery or free, no matter in a land, your land or another land, that he is at work and that he will be working out a people toward you know for towards him that's an astounding that, thought really and that um and even even in first timothy or in romans or when paul speaking um to the corinthians and or to the philosophers of the time and to the unknown god i mean in such a culture 
there was just an over, overarching sense of, of peace. And I think that that's what sometimes we miss today because it is so tempting to get pulled into these crazy, like you say, debates or into rhetoric of campaigns or into sides, you know, us versus them. And uh, you're not saying that politics don't and government don't matter. What you're saying, saying is that they don't trump the the and redemptive plan of God for humanity, correct. that he still calls men and women to himself. Correct. I've seen that so often, Stace, as you know, in, in Russia and Ukraine and Mongolia. Mm-hmm. You know, religion was pretty much stamped out entirely in Mongolia mm-hmm. for 70, 75 years. And then they opened the doors just in the, in, the, in the early 90s. I got to be among the first to go back into that country after all those years of repression of religion in every, any form and finding people there mm-hmm. longing for God. And mm-hmm. open to God. And it's just, it really is what you're saying is that uh, the, the plan, the realities of God and his redemptive plan, no form of government can actually stomp it out or limit it in reality. People still seek God in their heart and their mind and their soul. Right. And the beautiful thing about a government that is in line with the government of God of the, uh-huh. of the scriptures is that oh, it that's is a great an, way to put it is that it's an outworking is that it, it does bring sort of that kingdom come not in a um, and when we say that now it kind of has a uh, sense of uh, dominance and um, I mean I think we can translate it to be a dominant thing but it's not it's um, I, my peace I give to you um, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Um, it's a, it's it is freedom. It is peace. Um, his his government, and when that works out individually in our lives, when he is the king and authority over our lives individually, it's peace. And when it is and properly it's and it's freedom, and yeah. where the spirit of the Lord, there's freedom. And when that works out culturally. That is the goal. That is the uh, the freedom to find him, the freedom to experience that peace, not only personally, but culturally and in every avenue of culture. And so I feel like that it's kind of the irony, though, of today of, of American politics that we're almost there. But then we forget at peace <laughs> within it and and when i say peace i you know i don't mean apathy i mean a real you know come full circle where you do recognize it's not a republican party that's that's the authority it's not the democratic party that's the authority it's it's god who is the authority now who aligns best, best with what the lord says but it is a, a, a reminder that scriptures are authority mm. and uh, and i think that the framers of the constitution and the declaration i mean they were so well versed <laughs> literally versed in, uh, <laughs> okay. uh, in those scripture and and not just yeah. scripture but the paul i mean forms of government prior the, mm-hmm. the romans the greeks the philosophers they were um so so very well informed yeah. Well, the Bible uh, is the number one quoted text in all of the founding documents, uh, the Federalist Papers, even our Constitution, the Declaration of Independence. Uh, throughout our founding documents, the scriptures were continually cited and referred to. Um, yeah, I, I agree, Stace. What, now, you, we were 
talking about the the book of Ruth in that context. Right. Make sure you don't lose. <laughs> so where were you headed with your thought there? Well, about? I guess with Ruth, uh, maybe being a girl. Um, I mean, for her, there's such unrest. Um, well, okay, one, I wasn't exactly sure what his. Uh-huh. So, so the question was. We well, never are with Harold, but it's all right. <laughs> Sorry, Harold. Uh, how does Ruth play out in the political scene is that the question how 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 would it what would it look like if ruth was the model for government is is that well i'm not sure if that's (laughs) he was talking about the idea of her of her change of her embracing uh jehovah uh embracing a new culture she became a foreigner in in israel she she was an immigrant Mm -hmm. (laughs) A, a legal immigrant we might say i guess but she was there she embraced the culture she was in she wholeheartedly gave herself to it, invested in it. Uh, maybe that aspect of uh, of what government. You know, I I think of the of the book of Ruth. I, I remember that, and I think you'll remember this detail that in the book of Ruth, politics and government actually did play quite a role because you remember uh, she uh, became, uh, they had the whole idea of, uh, this leveret marriages mm-hmm. when you lost, uh, uh, when a wife lost her husband, the, next of uh, the, the next of kinsmen, the, the idea of the kinsman redeemer, someone would be able to come and purchase, uh, that relationship to take that person under their wing, uh, to support them and provide for them. So they wouldn't be left out in the cold and starved to death or driven to prostitution or other things. And so they had this, this leveret marriage, this, this, uh, this redemptive and the redeemer, uh, kinsman redeemer. And that was part of the culture, part of the politics, the government of their era. And they had to go to the city gates. Uh, Boaz, when he decided he wanted to marry, uh, Boaz was a kinsman redeemer to Ruth, but he wasn't the closest one. There was someone that had a prior right to marry her and to bring her into his family than than Boaz, and so they had to go and do it legally. They had to follow governmental, you know, the politics of the era, their of their culture, and they had to go to the city gates. And the guy decided uh, he, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take Ruth. But then all of a sudden he realized that if he did, he would have to share the inheritance of his family he'd have to include her in the inheritance and that would divide it even further from his his present wife and children and so on so he decided no i don't want to take her and and that's how boaz was then uh got the opportunity to take her under his wing under under his roof and to be a part of his family and 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 i guess i tell that story it's a beautiful story the kinsman redeemer because it's a picture of messiah's uh, taking us, uh, redeeming us, and bringing us into the family of God under his wing. But uh, at, at the same time, here we are talking about politics and government government and culture and how it functions. And it's supposed to work for orderliness, for for us to be able to live as citizens in peace and in, in harmony. Uh, there's a number of passages you could look at in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 13 is one of the great passages talks about the purpose of government being to restrain evil, to encourage order and reward good, uh, to uh, the, to serve the public good, 
and uh, re- keep order, I guess, and limit evil, restrain evil in the society. First Timothy 2, I, I particularly, I've always liked the verse in Timothy where Paul says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority, uh, government leaders and so on, c- cultural, societal leadership. S- why? What is the purpose uh, of those government leaders and those in authority? Why? So that we can live peaceful, quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. In other words, so we can live in peace, uh, order, uh, without violence. Uh, we can uh, in, in harmony and happiness. Uh, I, I think of our uh, Declaration of Independence, uh, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, and then he says as well, uh, to, be, to live out that life of quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity, the idea that we can live out with freedom our relationship with God and our, and our, and our, our deepest uh, passions and our deepest beliefs of what, about reality, uh, and, and that's a purpose of government is to create an atmosphere of freedom and liberty. I I really I think that liberty and freedom is one of the greatest values because that's the great context for the gospel. So, uh, what would you say prosper. are the uh, what would you hindrances? So, so that's you know that of course, and I think everybody would agree with that. But well, uh, clearly, what gets in the way of that? Okay, that freedom. So other other people, uh, lack of resources. Sure, there are kinds, lots of different kinds of bondage, and as opposed to liberty and freedom, mm-hmm. and we can have uh, uh, intellectual bondage, hold people in ignorance, and and uh, not letting them have access to truth about our world or, mm-hmm. or about the gospel, for example. Uh, mandating what people can believe mm-hmm. or what they can even talk about and ideas. Or so you can have a limit opportunities for both. I mean, yeah, right, right. you can have a, 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 a tyranny of ideas, you mm-hmm. know, and, and mm-hmm. then and don't read this, don't say this, you, and so on. That's it's so beautiful. Our Bill of Rights, uh, out of all the Bill of Rights about freedom of expression and freedom of of uh, of, of being able to meet with other people and and, and congregate and. Uh, relationships and so on. Uh, out of all of the ten bill, look at what is number one. Isn't that astounding? What is the very first bill of rights? You would think it would be something now, maybe economic or uh, mm-hmm. any of the other freedom. But what's the very first one? freedom of religion? Isn't that amazing? To you? Have you ever been astounded? Why did that make it number one? You know, why would that be the the first one they thought of? Well, that that source of, of what we believe about life and about ourselves, that deep uh, freedom at that level is the greatest freedom. And, of course, a culture that, that I think personally that that is the great value because uh, even God himself gives every God himself gives every human being that freedom to even reject him. That that incredible idea that that we can we're free to accept, receive, trust in embrace God or reject God in and in the creator who could be a tyrant he could be totally and absolutely allows that he's even created us with that capability and in his idea is to call us into a free voluntary relationship with himself it's, and if God does that how much more should we give that freedom uh, to others and of course in that context Stacey, I think that that with that as the cornerstone or as the chief value there, that freedom, 
that creates the context in which the gospel, uh, the word, the word of God, the freedom, the goodness of God, the re- the salvation, the redemption found in God, the relationship with God, and so on, that has its greatest potential of transforming individual lives and transforming society, because change lives, change the world, and, and that's the context in which the gospel can 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 flow, can really uh, have its great impact and power. Uh, I don't have a. I'm really not afraid of anything in any culture or society. I've been in Russia before the, uh, uh, the curtain fell and after. I've visited Ukraine, Mongolia. I've seen a number of these nations and been there behind them, talked with the people who suffered under it and, uh, at length. And uh, I, and what I've come to realize is I'm not afraid of uh, of any, any um, particular form of government in a way, except that it, it once once you limit the power of the gospel, the ability to proclaim the gospel, the ability for people to embrace, respond the to the power gospel. Of the gospel. You mean no? Yeah, you're the right. The expression of the gospel. The expression. The, the, to be able. You're right. It can't limit the power of it, but uh, it is a message. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Paul says for it, and it is the power of and God. And it's a relationship, and it's a vertical one first and foremost. But it does also present itself horizontally, and yeah. so it's it's the it's, it's. But when you limit the ability or the freedom that people have the opportunity people have to to hear that message and to and to ask and respond and relate and clarify it and embrace it then you are actually to a great degree that you're it's a great limitation and not only is it limited and it's not necessarily just the christian gospel it's really limiting that search and that's why it's religious freedom because the assumption is if you are really searching for truth he, yeah. You will find it. Yeah. It's not his will that any should perish. So, I mean, if you are in the middle of searching for it in a mosque or if you're in the middle of searching for it, that is, yes, absolutely. You are free to search for it. And if you are legitimately, if you are truly, you need to be able to to have that have that freedom. And you will. And you if you are seeking him, you will find him. I believe that with all my heart. And I have a good illustration of that, I think, when I I'm went not into. necessarily saying that you will find it just anywhere. <laughs> right. I am saying that that you have that you yes. have free to experience, have that journey. Yes. <laughs> okay. yes. And, and and but but there. Yeah. And that's just talking about ultimate salvation, the yes. ultimate connection with God. But there but are degrees still, of that yeah. connection. There are degrees of which we can experience uh, that that relationship with God, and a lot of that depends on the amount of information that we are be able to give and hear about the God of the Bible. I, I was going to give you an illustration. I went, uh, as I said, uh, early on in the early nineties, one of the among the first groups of of uh, uh, American believers who were able to go into Mongolia after the uh, wall came down in Berlin, and after the the Soviet Union began to uh, decline and, and to crumble, and after seventy seventy five years of living under uh, virtual tyranny, the the wall came down in Mongolia, and people were able maybe to to hear the gospel message and to hear for the first time that Christianity and religion had been kept uh, had been restrained and, and, and repressed, and whether it was Christianity or Hinduism or Buddhism, any of them. It had all been restrained uh, and limited under the communist uh, um, 
a tyranny in that country. But then to be able to go in, and I remember the story of this young man that I tell you about. He's the mayor of one of the cities. Talking of politics, I guess I'll bring up a, a Mongolian <laughs> mayor, a politician there, and I had a conversation with him. Where uh, about his understanding of God and his response to God, and it's going to surprise you what he said, uh, because it brings out the point that you brought out that that um, that even in spite of the repression and the limitation that the government had tried to put, he still mm-hmm. had his own thoughts about God, and he had he still wondered about God and sought God and was seeking God, but when the freedom when the wall came down. It enabled a freedom. It enabled information to get to him that enabled him to act on his desire, his longing for God, mm-hmm. and to experience it to a degree he had not even before. I'll, I'll tell you the story of the the mayor uh, of the little town uh, north of uh, uh, Ulaanbaatar, the capital of, of Mongolia. I'll tell you that story when we come back, and we'll talk about one more segment about all things political. If you'd like to join us, three four zero. 9585. We'd love to hear from you tonight uh, about these matters, about things you've been observing, about the current political races and that sort of thing. We'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. The purpose of government, the limitations of government. We just talked about the idea, and Stacy, my daughter, is with me. She talked about what, uh, if freedom is that great goal of, 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 uh, of government and, and politics to create an atmosphere of peace and stability so that we can live lives of, uh, of peace and peace and dignity and, and in all godliness and with the idea of living out godly lives, righteousness, then uh, what would be the enemy of uh, that liberty, that peace mm-hmm. that we seek? And we talked about uh, uh, the 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 tyranny of ideas when you take away the ability of information uh the burning of books in nazi uh germany for example the burning uh this destroying of bibles or this or that and the other and i was telling you the story of um, uh this uh, friend the mayor of this city north of ulaanbaatar in mongolia that i uh, spoke with because stacy had made the point that even though there might be a tyranny and there was at this era this man had lived in uh but still Deep in our souls, we are free to believe what we like and want, uh, and, and so that that cannot totally trump the plan of God. This I was taking the message of the gospel to this village where they, in all likelihood, many had never even heard the name of Jesus, the first, or for the first time hearing the message of the gospel. And uh, the people embraced and heard the message of the, the gospel, the, the the film called Jesus, the life of Jesus, the gospel of Luke placed in film. And they were hearing it in Mongolian in, in their own language. And it was just a beautiful thing to behold. And after the movie, the people were uh, responsive. We were handing out some literature and, and information and putting the film up and all. And I was visiting with the mayor of the city. And we were drinking mare's milk and, you know, the horse milk and so on that they have traditionally over there. And and he thanked me for bringing the film. I said, what do you think of it? Oh, it's a great film, great cultural exchange. Oh, we really need to hear this. And I said, but what did you think of the message of the film? And uh, if you've seen the message of the, of the film Jesus, it's about redemption. It's about salvation, the redemptive plan of God. And he stood, uh, this man who I've never met and who had never, uh, he did not know about Christianity. This is his uh, first understanding of, of the scriptures. He stood and he drew his hand across the sky above us and he said, all my life I've searched for God 
in the beautiful Mongolian stars in the, in the evening in the mountains of there in Mongolia. He said, all my life I've searched for God. Tonight, finally, I have met him and learned that his name is Jesus. Mm. And I thought, wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. there's, there's, there you see those two worlds meeting where even with the repression and the limitation, he had been free to seek God in his heart and, and, and through nature and seeing what he knew of God he had responded to. And then freedom, when the wall came down uh, and the governmental limitations were removed, and he was able to hear that simple little message and get the information of the mm-hmm. gospel and how much he was able to embrace and affirming his faith and his relationship with God and building it, making him more able to experience it uh, more deeply in his life with with more information. I think that's the role of government is that that truth and and, and ideas. Tyranny of ideas can be one tyranny of financial tyranny, tyranny and potential possibility is another just physical brute. You know, physical tyranny. You uh, live in slavery. Do what I tell you to do. That's another kind of tyranny. I think for today and what's really relevant, what I read, um, have you read Amusing Ourselves to Death, Neil Postman? Oh, wow. I've heard. I I didn't really even need to hear anything but the title of it. I know. And I feel like kind of clearly, and he was a little bit before his time. This was What is it? Amusing Ourselves? Amusing Ourselves to Death. Or Entertaining Ourselves to Death. (laughs) Yes, Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. And he wrote, uh, he was taking a look at technologies and how they affect our communication and how communication affects our our, our government, our societies. And I read it in college and it was one of the most... Um, I just, uh, it, it spoke to where we are today. I thought so, well, if you don't mind, I'm going to read a quote. And I feel like this is the tyranny that we might as far be as living we, under ourselves. I'm using, uh, we were keeping our eye on 1984 when the year came and the prophecy didn't thoughtful Americans sang softly in praises of themselves. The roots of liberal democracy had held. Wherever else the terror had happened, as in World War II, we at least had not been visited by Orwellian nightmares. But, you know, of course, George Orwell. uh, Uh, 1984 was the book by George Orwell about how tyranny. Tyranny and brute force, the uh idea. And we had seen that play out in World War II and democracy. People thought that might happen in our culture. And And so so they were armed against it. They were relieved when 1984 Mm -hmm. came and went and it didn't happen. Correct. But we had forgotten that alongside Orwell's dark vision, there was another slightly older, slightly less well-known, equally chilling Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Contrary to common belief, even among the educated Huxley, and Orwell did not prophesy the same thing. Orwell warns that we will be overcome by an externally imposed oppression. But in Huxley's vision, no big brother is required to deprive people of their autonomy, maturity, and history. As he saw it, people will come to love their oppression, to adore the technologies that undo their capacities to think. What Orwell feared were those who would ban books. What Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book, for there would be no one who wanted to read one. (laughs) Orwell feared those who would deprive us of information. Huxley feared those who would give us so much that we would be reduced to passivity and egoism. Orwell feared that the truth would be concealed from us. Huxley feared the truth would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance. Orwell feared we would become a captive culture. Huxley feared we would become a trivial culture, preoccupied with some equivalent of the feelies, the orgy-porgy, and the centrifugal bumble puppy. <laughs> As Huxley remarked in Brave New World Revisited, the civil libertarians and rationalists who are ever on the alert to oppose tyranny failed to take into account man's almost infinite appetite for distractions. In 1984, Orwell added, people are controlled by inflicting pain. In Brave New World, they're controlled by inflicting pleasure. 
In short, Orwell feared that what we fear will ruin, ruin us. Huxley feared that what we desire will ruin us. I thought that was uh, really, really good. Wow. Which book. of them uh, are our worst enemy? Right. Uh, so A Brave New World and, and uh, um, Amusing Ourselves to Death in terms of, but is, uh, in terms of, of what we uh, feel like or what we have to watch out for as far as the wow. perpetrators of our freedoms. Excellent, Stace. You just earned your uh, salary All for All right. <laughs> uh, let's go and visit with Mike. He's on the line with us. Hi, Mike. Uh, hi, Sophie. Hi, Stacy. Hello. Um, I I um, I wanted to talk about the Book of Ruth. Would that be okay? Sure, please. Um, it's that um, um, Jacob taught us something um, a month ago that um, when Orpha went back to her Moabite people, and Ruth went with Naomi, um, they those two cultures met. Uh, down the line, uh, I'm That's interested right. in... That's right. I don't think Stacy knows this. I'm not sure if you do or not. Yeah. Well, anyway, Orpha married into the lineage of Goliath, and you know Ruth married into the lineage of David, and Goliath and David met. Well, anyway, Rahab figures into this because Rahab married a man named Sal- Salmon or Salma, uh-huh. and you'll never believe who the son was, was Boaz, who married Ruth. Well, anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in how these cultures yes. uh, come together and um, how they meet later on, like Lot's um, uh, two sons um, from her, her, his daughters, the Moabites and the Ammonites. Well, they became um, a, a big problem for the, the, uh, the people of, of the Jews, for the Israelites. Um, and it all, it all goes back. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in Leah. I think Leah uh, uh, having Judah uh, with Jacob is in the lineage of, of Jesus. And it, yes. it, all boils, it all goes back to um, Abraham and Sarah. Abraham did not have the guts to stand up to his wife, Sarah, and tell her, I will not have sex with Hagar. I am going to trust in God and wait for Isaac. But he didn't do that. So the Israelites um, came into um, into the world, and, and the clash of the Israelites just the clash. Just you're not going to believe this, but uh, David had two sisters, Sarvia and Abigail. Yes. Sarvia was the mother of Joab. Abigail, who met, who married a is uh, Ishmaelite named Jeter. She was the mother of Amasa. And oh my Joab and Amasa met in battle, um, Amasa being uh, Absalom's general, yes. and Joab being our hero or for David. And this whole thing goes all the way back to um, Abraham yep. not standing up to Sarah. Well, anyway, so I'm told with Leah that uh, yeah. it, it seems the divine justice that a woman that was spurned um, because Jacob loved uh, Rachel, Rachel more than Leah, that Rachel is, does not figure in the lineage, but Leah does. Um, well, Rachel is uh, being the mother of Joseph, uh-huh. uh, is um, the stereotype of Jesus, but Leah is the one who was spurned, but in the lineage. Yes. And so I, I thought that was really uh, interesting. Mike, that was yeah. really worth sharing and hearing. Thank you. A great, 
a great analysis there of these relationships of life that that go on in spite of uh, uh, emperors or tyrannies or human whatever human government and the things that took place. God still works. I think it highlights what uh, Stacy was saying is that when we talk about government and politics, it's not the ultimate power and authority uh, that God is, and God still works in spite of these. But uh, we're looking at tonight as well, what is the role, the rightful role in the positive, constructive role that government can be in the plan of God? Thanks, Mike, for calling. I really appreciate hearing that. That was uh, a very good analysis and a good background. Uh, I know we've got another listener. Let me, I'd rather do that than... Uh, let, let's go and visit with Jeanette quickly because I know that she has something on her mind as well. Hi, Jeanette. Are you there with us still, Jeanette? Oh, yes. Hi, Sophie. How are you doing tonight? Doing well. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What's on your mind tonight? Well, are we answering any of your questions? Well, yes, I'm glad you do. I'm out of time. But, but uh, no matter what, we have that promise that God is in control. Yes. And we must simply trust in the Lord to see us through. You know what came to my mind? Whether they gain office by fair means or foul, they will be judged by the ultimate judge. That is a great ultimate truth that we need to rely on. But, you know, one thing that Stacy said earlier in the program that came to my mind, she talked about... uh, God and government. You know what verse came to my mind, Stacey, where uh, that verse in, um, I think it's Isaiah 7, where it talks about the government shall be upon his shoulders. Shoulders. I've always, yeah. I've always thought, yeah, that's kind of an odd statement. Yeah. What does that mean? And, and, but ultimately, he does govern. Uh, it, it, the plan of God overrides every human government and and i think you're right we we have to count on that it's the same i think maybe the same point mike was bringing up in some ways and stacy has emphasized uh i I appreciate you calling jeanette that was great do you want to answer one of the questions or did you add uh that was enough right there that was a great point that we loved hearing from you but if you wanted to answer a question i wanted to give you a chance to do so okay Do Um, do you remember the one that you wanted to answer or uh, I'm, I have, I think I have them all, but okay. there's somebody else waiting. Well, Psalm 40, no. With them opportunity. No, Psalm 41 begins with a wonderful promise to people who are kind to people like us. Who are the us? We should be kind to people. Uh, God gives wonderful promises to people who are kind to a certain kind of people. Who, who is that certain kind of people we should be kind to? Sinners or enemies? No. Let me see. No. It, it's Frankly, they are the group that a lot of politicians justify their policies and so on because of this particular mm-hmm. group. They don't have much money. We consider them to be... Be kind to me. <laughs> be kind to Stacy. She has no money whatsoever. <laughs> To the poor. Uh, God makes a wonderful promise to people who are kind to the poor. That's Psalm 41. And, uh, and of course, that figures greatly in a lot of the politicians, uh, uh, if you hear what they declare and so on. Uh, let me give you one more here. Jesus healed a man once in two phases, in two separate steps. What, w- what was the ailment uh, from which the individual was healed? 
he was blind. He was a blind man. Uh, and he says, what do you see now? And he says, I see I see men as trees walking. And then he, he healed him. Jacob has also given us a little bit of insight in the past about that passage that that uh, the Bible, the, the Bible speaks, the, the Hebrew, the Old Testament, speaks as human beings uh, being like trees. There is a visible seen aspect, the physical, and then there was the spiritual, the soulish aspect under the ground, the roots and so on, the root system. And uh, he says, remember the famous Psalm 1, blessed are uh, those who, uh, they should be like Walking trees, it. planted by the waters and so on. The yeah. men were considered to be like trees with uh, spiritual capacity, spiritual beings. And what this man was saying was not that I, I just see, I see kind of vaguely now, I see men, they look like trees, but he's making a spiritual declaration. I agree with you now. I understand that men are like trees walking. We are, in fact, we do have a spiritual dimension of life. And based on that confession, on that admission of of the truth of God, that Jesus went ahead and healed, uh, that it was more of a confession of faith uh, than it was just saying, hey, I can see a little bit better now, but not quite well enough that he's made it. To me, that was a very satisfying and perspective that Jacob brought to that particular passage. It seems to make a lot of sense in that context, and I, I don't doubt too much that it may have been what was exactly at play uh, in that particular miracle, not just that, uh, uh, you know, and why the, you know, the, t- the two phases in his healing. Jeanette, thanks you so much for calling in. I really appreciate hearing from you, uh, and uh, both of these are great questions, and uh, we're, we're going to go with them. I, I've got a few minutes left. I want to continue and finish, if I can, with Stace. Um, we've talked about what is the purpose of government, any form of government, because God can work. Uh, if you think about it, I remember one time getting in a big argument with some students in Barcelona, Spain, some Spanish students, and they got real mad at me because I was saying that, well, you know, uh, a tyranny, they had just been delivered from the tyranny of Francisco Franco, uh, the the tyrant or the dictator of Spain for many for 40 years. And uh, they had just been liberated from that. And I was up in Catalonia where they, you know, they really resented uh, that dictatorship. And and I was in the discussion with a couple of students just talking there on the campus. And I was saying that, you know, what really uh, dictatorship or, or governmental dictatorship is not really our ultimate enemy because even that can be good and they went oh you can't mean that you, that, that's impossible that's not, and i said well just think about heaven is going to be a, a tyranny uh gee, we will live under the benevolent holy righteous tyranny of, of our savior jesus and, we, and we'll we'll be extremely happy with it uh, and, and, and of course, they made them think a little bit, but they came back hard at me. <laughs> but the point is, is that any form of government will work uh, among uh, God and His people in, in heaven. Because uh, we have a loving, devoted, good heavenly Father, a good Redeemer, a good King, a righteous King, the Savior, who has our interests at, at heart and and pours out Himself in our be, on our behalf, and then we too love and are devoted to Him and want to obey Him in all that He and le- all He leads us to do and say, and so the, the, any form of government would work in that context. But see, we don't live in heaven right now; we live on planet Earth, which is a closed system uh, where good and evil coexist. 
uh, it's ruled only by morally neutral natural laws. In other words, a, a bullet doesn't turn into a, a, mush, a marshmallow just because it's headed toward an, in, an innocent seven-year-old child. Uh, it's a morally neutral natural laws. Bullets, gravity all take place. Planes crash. Uh, good people suffer. Sometimes evil, wicked people seem to prosper. Uh, that's the world we live in. And so what God's intent of government was in that kind of world in that it would create the place of liberty and freedom in that context. So the truth about God, the greatest value there is that freedom. So the truth about God could be known. People are true to he, free to hear about the truth about God, about the true and living God, and they're free to respond and to live for God and to obey and follow that relationship with God. That that value, I, I always admire George W. Bush a, a lot for for that, that freedom being the great uh, central theme of his, particularly his second term in office, freedom. But so, so what, from God's perspective, the purpose of government is for that peace and that dignity of man. We can live in, in dignity and, and in all righteousness before God. And it's to restrain evil, to encourage order, to reward good. A lot of passages we could have looked up, First Peter 2, Exodus chapter 18. Uh, we looked at First Timothy chapter 2 and so on. But another question that we need to answer in our own form of government, because a lot of people today, especially your generation stays and the younger generation they see they don't seem to understand and value this incredible gift of rep, of representative republic and, and this incredible document the constitution mm-hmm. uh it's so brilliantly written uh to because it takes into a, it takes into mind all of these fundamental truths about human beings and about ultimate reality it talks about our sin nature it realizes that human beings there is uh, an irresistible irrevocable tendency to sin to selfishness to what what we want when we want how we want it to lord over others and control others and so they put in these the knowing that is true in this system of government they put in these uh checks and these balances on those selfish uh more wicked impulses of human beings and it it has made our our constitution made our form of government so so um vibrant so healthy it's led us to freedom, and yet it has protected it over such a long period of time. But now, as in these last, particularly these last 30, 40 years, we have just begun to move away from those principles and do away with those checks and balances. And more and more, we find ourselves going in, uh, under bondage, into bondage to, to government, into servitude, into dependence upon government, on the ruling class and the, the, the political class and the, the elites. Uh, uh, and they've taken over so very many of the education and, and now health, the health aspect of our of our of our uh, society and so on. And we've, we've come we're coming under a bondage and a dependence to them. And it's robbing us of our vitality as a people, our economic vitality, our health as a people, our spiritual health as a people. And so that is that is what is at stake, I think, in these kind of elections. Can we go back to our uh, the, that brilliant document, the Constitution, and be led and guided by it and, and let it again exercise its limitations on government, the size of government, the scope of government, the reach of government, the authority of government, uh, in the Bible itself, uh, Samuel warned, warned the people of Israel about a king. You remember, they didn't have a government. Uh, 
mm-hmm. before uh, Samuel, before Saul became the first king. Samuel warned him, you don't want a king. He's going to take your men and women to the, into the military. He's going to make them serve in his palace. He's going to take your money. He's going to take your taxation. Uh, Moses had warned him about it. Samuel warned him about it. Uh, and, of course, we saw it take place, and we saw what happened when uh, the great servant-hearted David was one example, but then his son Solomon uh, taxed the people to death, and then Solomon's son uh, said, "I'm going. You thought he was hard on you. Look how hard I'm going. I'm going to take all you got." And of course, they had to rebel against it, and it led to great instability and so on. So we see um, any form of government will go in the kingdom of God, but here on planet Earth, we need th- this government that we were given. This constitution has is what helped us become the greatest, most powerful, richest nation in all of human history. It wasn't just because we live on uh, a, a continent where, uh, you know, they had not been exploited already and all that sort of thing. All of South America was the same way. What's the difference? In South America, they said, in gold we trust. In North America, in God we trust. There was that that fundamental distinct of the, the pursuit and uh, the different way we approached our life and and moving to freedom and liberty, uh, and of course that had to do with the ability to hear, uh, to to promote, to respond to, and live out uh, the the message of the gospel, which has its transforming impact on the sin nature of man. It, it's a uh, we we've uh, we've got to see that. I mean, this is a very uh, a very quick and very. Simplistic, maybe some would say, approach as we look tonight at human government. I wanted to cover it because of the times we're living in. And I appreciate, Stacy, what you shared was so, so great, so excellent. And folks, I hope you've benefited a little bit at least as we've thought about human government, its role, its purpose from a biblical point of view. Be in prayer for our nation this coming year. We've got some very important, really, uh, nation surviving. And decisions to make in this year. God bless you. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. 